I want to encourage you to be in a friendship state of mind as we listen to Paul's fond farewell today. A friendship state of mind. So, try to think of a song that has the word friend in it. And maybe just hum that to yourself. And, and might it warm, warm your heart today. A song that has friend in it. And maybe you can put those songs in, uh, in the chat, in the YouTube chat, um, as we're thinking about friend songs. I thought of, I'm a teenager of the 80s, that's what friends are for. Keep smiling, keep shining, knowing you can always count on me, for sure. That's what friends are for. Some 80s people in the house. Maybe we need to reach back to the 70s. Winter, spring, summer, or fall. All you've got to do is call. And I'll be there, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got a friend. Ah, lovely. And of course that hymn, What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry. There are not many, but they are mighty, aren't they? So put your friend song in the the group chat, and uh, we'll share some of our friend songs Uh, even in our coffee hour. As we've dug deeper into Paul's letter over the past few weeks, we see that it is this friendship-filled letter. Paul really loves these people. And as Jeremy suggested last week, it's probably because they shed blood, sweat, and tears together. If you read Acts chapter 16, you hear about the church in Philippi getting its start. And it was a raucous start, and it was Paul and Silas and Lydia and Euodia and Syntyche planting the church, fighting the good fight. And you know how in the midst of ministry and uh, intensity and joy and challenge, bonds get forged in friendship. Some of you have been on work projects or service projects or trips abroad or even road trips where you've met adversity and it's made you stronger friends. I think about short-term ministry trips. Over the past 30 years here at First Baptist, we've partnered with Canadian Baptist missions and we've gone to Africa, we've gone to Bolivia, we've been in the Czech Republic, in the country of Georgia that bordered Russia, Uh, With local ministry trips, our youth have been joining Urban Promise in Camden, New Jersey for four different trips over the past decade. Uh, We've served with short-term ministry trips across Canada, and maybe you can think of trips that you've joined here in Edmonton. Maybe it's a habitat project or a short-term service project at the Mustard Seed or in Vancouver at a homeless shelter you know how these ministry experiences forge deep friendships. So that's what's happened with Paul, with these friends that 
are not only his friends, but they're his faith community that encourages him and provides finances and provides practical needs for him. He's risked many things, and they've risked together. And now Paul has ended up in jail again, probably in Rome this time, and he's dropping hints that this might be his last time in chains. But he's got one last letter to write. He's still got time and ink and energy for now, and so he pens these final thoughts, maybe saving the best for last, trying to imprint and impress upon his friends how to keep faithful to this radical and countercultural movement that they've started in Philippi. If Paul was singing, that's what friends are for, I think he'd have three different movements. And the first movement would be, friends rejoice in one another. And so in the first part of today's reading, we see that joy and rejoicing come into full picture again for Paul. He's glad that their friendship has been revived. And maybe because of transitions and travel, their, their friendship has kind of uh, waned a bit, but now their, their friendship is revived. So friends rejoice. Secondly, Paul notes that friends walk that balance of dependence and independence. Paul writes, not that I am referring to being in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. He wants to model to these Jesus followers that this community of faith needs to depend on each other, but not overly depend on each other because there's an independence that can be found in God and the living Christ who is with us in all circumstances. Paul assures his friends that he's strengthened and sustained by their joy, their loyalty, but he also wants to put them at ease letting them know that he knows the secret of contentment. And he hopes that they too are in on the secret. Finally, Paul says that friends ultimately point to God. Paul says, yes, friends, imitate me, but know that I'm imitating Jesus. I'm imitating God. You can send more money, of course, I'll welcome other practical ministry gifts, but ultimately, I have been paid in full. I have more than enough. I am fully satisfied. And my God, your God too, will satisfy every need of yours according to his riches. It's no surprise that Paul concludes with pointing to God because he's been doing that all along in the letter, hasn't he? Right from the beginning, he says, God who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. He writes, with the help of the Spirit of Jesus, things will turn out. It's God who is at work in you. God will humbly transform your bodies to conform to Jesus' glorious body. And even last week, we shared in that promise that the Lord is near. The peace of God will be with you. So friends don't rely on human strength and human will to get God's work done. We point to God, who's our strength and our source for strength and will and wisdom. So I want us to pause and reflect on our friendships in faith. 
How are we doing in our friendships in faith? If friends rejoice, if friends walk that line between dependence and independence, if if friends point each other to God, how are we doing in our friendships in faith in these days? I want to get you started on that thought. So I'll come back to that. Um, I do want to stop on Philippians 4.13. We've got to stop on that one. Um, When I was in grade three, I got a plaque for my grade three Sunday school graduation. And it was Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That was the translation. it's, It's embedded in my brain. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's my first memory verse that I remember memorizing and putting into practical application. Because we had uh, this unfinished basement in our house in Lethbridge, and um, there were like hanging plastic, uh, (laughs) old leftover plastic and hanging dingy blankets and covered furniture, but there was a fridge. Our second fridge was there. And so um, my mom would ask me to go get a quart of milk from the fridge. And so Philippians 4.13 was my lifeline. I would literally run down the stairs. Oh, I can be all things I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> there it is, Mom. I got the milk from that dungeon. Uh, I think Paul probably has a broader push for what he was saying there. So I want to talk about I can do all things through Christ. Because the secret for Paul is that Yes, I can do all things through Christ. But it's not triumphalism. It's not, oh, see how awesome I am as a follower of Jesus. It's Paul listing all the things he can do with Christ's strength. And if we step back a couple sentences, he says, I can do life with little. I can do life with plenty. I can do life as one well-fed. I can do life as one who hungers. Again, I can do life with plenty or I can do life being in need. And the secret is that I've learned to be content with whatever I have. I can do it all through him who strengthens me. What a great secret. A great promise. And he doesn't hoard that secret for himself. Of course, he wants all of Philippi to know that. That in the midst of suffering or sustenance, God won't leave us alone. And Paul adds much to his joy that friends don't leave each other alone. He writes, in any case, it was kind of you to share my distress. That's what friends are for. So I want to invite you into that reflection time again. How are our friendships of faith? Maybe those friendships are right here in our community of faith at First Baptist, or maybe you're watching from afar and you have a a different way of connecting with your community of faith. How are your friendships of faith in these days? I hope you have some friends in faith. Because we do need each other. We 
depend on each other. How are our friendships and faith? Friends rejoice. Friends celebrate the dependence, the give and take. And friends point to our God. The God who empowers and enthuses and ultimately gets God's work done. Perhaps we celebrate our friendship in faith by the prayer that I've been encouraging us to pray over the past few weeks, and I used it as our call to worship. Paul saying, I pray that your love will flourish, and that you will not only love much, but love well. Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent, not sentimental gush. Live a lover's life. Circumspect, exemplary, a life Jesus will be proud of. Bountiful in fruits from the soul. Making Jesus attractive to all. Getting everyone involved in the glory and praise of God. So, we live this lover's life. And this is the way that friends in faith work together. And so, how are your friendships in faith going these days? What do friends do in faith? I thought about our church and kind of how we've been keeping the friendships in faith going over the past few weeks. Um, Friends work together. Friends learn together. My first idea of reflection is that friends make it through a three-week seminar on solidarity together. Uh, For those of you who were with us in the three-week webinar where we talked about standing in solidarity with LGBTQ Christians, it was a journey. And not all of us interpret our scriptures the same, but we know that friends walk the way of justice and mercy and compassion and care. Friends love one another. One theologian puts it this way, the Bible's relentless insistence is that peace with God depends on right neighborly conduct. The Bible's relentless insistence is that peace with God depends on right neighborly conduct. So friends, make it through a three-week seminar on solidarity. I was thinking, friends, make it through a pandemic. Again, we don't all agree on how this is playing out, the science, the mask wearing, the strategies for reopening or restricting. But my sense is that as a local church, we're pulling off a miracle here. We're making it through a pandemic. We're loving one another. We're funding the work of our ministry and our partnership programs through this church in the city and beyond. We're supporting ministry staff. We're all pulling in the same direction, seeking to accomplish our mission, this 127-year mission that we're hoping and praying won't be stopped by a pandemic. Friends make it through. Thirdly, friends keep the church heavenly. A couple weeks ago, I I quoted a, a theologian who said that in Paul's view, this Christian community in Philippi was truly an outpost of heaven. And that's what we're trying to do, be an outpost of heaven, putting the life 
and practice and heart of Jesus on display. It's a way of peace, mercy, forgiveness, reconciliation, love, and grace. And even as our prayer, uh, I prayed earlier, it's a way of foolishness, believing that we can actually pull this off. Not in our own strength, but because we have friendships and faith, because we rely on each other, and because we believe that ultimately God will make a way for us. So we count on the promises of God. So I do want you to pause and pray, and maybe this is another way to give thanks for our gratitude tree. Name a friendship in faith, or imagine who that friendship in faith is that's encouraging you in the journey in these days. And maybe quietly you might say a prayer for that friend, Later in the day, you might give thanks for that friend by sending an email or sending a text, making a phone call. Even before you leave today, some of you might want to fill out a a leaf for our tree. Uh, There's pens and leaves in the foyer, and hang that on the tree before you leave. Giving thanks for friends in faith. And in the end, Paul assures us that friends will be fully satisfied because our God will satisfy every need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And then Paul breaks into a hymn of praise, as he often does during his letter writing. His final doxology is one that we can echo today. To God, to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Maybe say it with me. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen.